BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. In September of 1942, U.S. Army Lieutenant General Leslie Groves, commander of the Manhattan Project, the secret U.S. crash effort to develop the atomic bomb, faced a critical decision. The project needed to produce uranium-235, an isotope of uranium whose unstable nucleus could be easily split to trigger a fission chain reaction and release an enormous amount of destructive energy. But that would require a massive, complex manufacturing process involving tens of thousands of workers, which needed to be kept secret to thwart interference from spies and saboteurs. But the question was, where could those facilities possibly be hidden? U.S. officials had already identified potential sites in several parts of the country, but all of them had drawbacks. Shasta Dam in California, for example, was too close to the Pacific coast and thus vulnerable to air attack, and several locations in Washington state would have required construction of long power lines to provide the massive amounts of electricity needed for the work. A site in Illinois near Chicago was also out. Officials didn't want to be close to a big population center since the potential health risks of the work were not clear, and it would have been easier for enemy agents to blend in around a city. 
So instead, Groves quickly settled upon a 52,000-acre, that's 21,000-hectare, site in rural eastern Tennessee, later expanded slightly. Not only would it be inconspicuous to anyone outside of the sparsely populated area, but it was also close to hydroelectric plants operated by the Tennessee Valley Authority, which could supply the enormous amounts of electricity that the plants would require. It was the perfect place to build both the Clinton Engineer Works, which would be the atomic complex, and a secret city to house the workers. The government decided to call the secret city Oak Ridge because it sounded, quote, sufficiently bucolic and general, according to an article in a 1969 government review of the project. Not long after choosing the area, the U.S. government quietly started moving small farmers who had land on the site, paying them compensation but not telling them why. Then came trainloads full of construction equipment and building materials. Construction crews quickly erected the buildings that would comprise the nondescriptly named campus, as well as thousands of houses for scientists and workers. Many of the homes were B1 flat tops, a design fashioned from prefabricated panels and roofing to save construction time. Building the secret industrial facilities and housing for workers cost around $1.32 billion. That's about $18.5 billion in today's money. That amounted to 60% of the Manhattan Project's total budget. Over the next few years, Oak Ridge grew into a community of 75,000 people. We spoke with D. Ray Smith, a retired historian for the Y-12 National Security Complex, who also is the historian for the city of Oak Ridge and a columnist for the Oak Ridger, a local newspaper. Smith explained, people came from all over the world. Many of the scientists were Hungarians. A lot came out of Germany and Great Britain. He explains that others were recruited for the Clinton Engineering Works by big U.S. companies working on the Manhattan Project, who scoured campuses of U.S. colleges and universities for bright students with needed science and technical skills. For example, a young chemist named Bill Wilcox, who was approached by an Eastman Kodak recruiter in 1943, later recalled that he was only told that the job was some sort of secret war work. He said, I asked where I'd be working. He wouldn't say it was secret. I asked what sort of work I'd be doing. He wouldn't say it was secret. Wilcox eventually ended up at the Clinton Engineer Works. According to Smith, those who turned down jobs might end up being drafted into a special engineering detachment of the U.S. Army and sent to Tennessee anyway. Those atomic workers arrived at a place shrouded in secrecy. Locals knew something mysterious was going on at the site, but only those who were part of the mission were allowed inside past the guarded gates on the access roads. The atomic facilities themselves were surrounded by additional security. The work itself was highly compartmentalized, so that most people knew only about the small portion of the effort that they themselves were working on, and only a select few knew that the overarching mission was to help make the atomic bomb. Access to buildings other than the one you were working in was highly restricted. To keep information from getting out, Oak Ridge became a self-contained community with most everything that its workers needed. The secret city had stores, movie houses, a high school, a bank, a 300-bed hospital, tennis and handball courts, and even its own symphony orchestra led by a Manhattan Project scientist. People who lived there tended victory gardens, raised families, and led what was pretty much a normal American existence. That is, except for the secrecy that surrounded them and their work. A billboard reminded workers, let's keep our trap shut. They knew they had to be cautious not to say anything about their jobs to anyone, even their own spouses. A young scientist told one of the first reporters to write about the subject, one Louis Falstein, we'd sit around the dinner table and the strain was terrible. But it was all in the difficult effort of producing uranium-235. There's only a tiny amount of the stuff, 0.7%, in uranium ore, most of which is uranium-238, which doesn't fission as easily. 
And a bomb such as Little Boy, the one dropped on Hiroshima, required 141 pounds, that's 64 kilograms, of uranium-235. You have to separate a lot of material to get that much 235. To solve that problem, the Clinton Engineer Works Y-12 plant used special devices called calutrons, which utilized the electromagnetic separation process developed by Nobel-winning physicist Ernest O. Lawrence at the University of California, Berkeley. The calutrons used heat and powerful magnets to separate the two isotopes, and then to collect just the uranium-235 isotope because it's so much lighter in weight— To gather enough uranium-235 for the project's purposes, the Y-12 facility employed 22,000 workers to run 1,152 calutrons literally around the clock. Meanwhile, another part of the works, the X-10 graphite reactor, used neutrons emitted from uranium-235 to convert uranium-238 into an isotope of a different element, plutonium-239, another easily fissionable material suitable for making atomic bombs. As Smith explains, after X-10 demonstrated that the process could work, the actual plutonium used to make Fat Man, the bomb dropped in Nagasaki, was produced in the B reactor at the Hanford Engineer Works near Richmond, Washington. Finally, on August 6, 1945, the world witnessed the results of the secret city's labors when the United States dropped an atomic bomb containing uranium-235 produced there on the Japanese city of Hiroshima. The Knoxville, Tennessee News Sentinel's front page headline proudly proclaimed, Atomic Superbomb, Made at Oak Ridge, Strikes Japan. That wasn't completely correct. Though the uranium-235 came from Tennessee, parts of the bomb were made at three different plants so that none of them would have the complete design. The destruction at Hiroshima and Nagasaki was horrific, and it was a, or perhaps the, turning point of the war. After the war, the various parts of the once-secret Tennessee atomic complex were split up, Part eventually was reborn as the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, which helped pioneer the field of nuclear medicine, producing isotopes for use in treating cancer and as diagnostic tools, in addition to doing cutting-edge research in areas ranging from nanotechnology to wireless charging of electric vehicles. Another portion became the Y-12 National Security Complex, which produced components for tens of thousands of thermonuclear weapons in the U.S. arsenal during the Cold War, and later helped disassemble U.S. and former Soviet nuclear weapons— The third part is now the site of the East Tennessee Technology Park. Though there's no evidence that German or Japanese spies ever managed to infiltrate the Clinton Engineer Works, a Soviet spy named George Koval did manage to get a job there and apparently passed along information about the atomic work to the Soviets. In 2007, he was honored posthumously with a Hero of the Russian Federation Medal, the nation's highest honor, by Russian President Vladimir Putin. Today's episode was written by Patrick J. Kiger and produced by Tyler Klang. Brainstuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more on this and lots of other historical topics, including lots of further reading on Oak City and the Atomic Age, visit our home planet, HowStuffWorks.com. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... 
Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work.